I hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, faithful scholars, to another class session in advanced footballology led by not just one world-renowned professor, but two. I am Dr. Rabble Rouser, and with me, as always, here with his fingers covered in chalk, because he's been scrawling formulas on the board, is Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you today, sir? I am doing good. My, my fingers are nice and clean, I just want to say. Um, <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I actually um, I'm kind of feeling in a, in a, in a, in a lovey mood. Uh, me and my granddaughter, we have developed this tradition of where every night when we lay down, we put on her favorite uh, Disney movie, though she's... You know, she gets locked on to certain movies, but she has a new favorite right now. And it's it's actually, um, it's Big Hero 6. I don't know if you've uh-huh. seen that movie, but uh, it's actually a pretty good movie. I think it's pretty well done. It's, it's some good writing there, but uh, it is her favorite movie right now. And so it's just kind of nice to be able to just kind of have this, uh, have this time, little a little tradition in, in, the, in the Rogers home. Um, but I wanted to ask you, there's, you know, from movies like with Lion King and and Frozen and there's there's like a handful of movies that I kids movies that I really enjoy but I was gonna ask you Rabs like is there do you have like a favorite Disney movie that's you know you can sit there and watch and truly enjoy? I would say of the Disney movies the one I the ones I enjoy the most because I think they're they're probably the best made movies going in, in terms of like a studio that's consistently churning out good work are the Pixar films. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like the first thing they did way back in the mid nineties um, as the Cowboys were uh, working their way toward their third Super Bowl in four years uh, was Toy Story that came out in November of, of 95. And um, I mean that the whole Toy Story franchise is incredibly well done. I think the you know Finding Nemo is great. The Incredibles and and even Incredibles too, but mostly the Incredibles is fantastic. Ratatouille and Wall-E. I mean they're they're so good. Up is the first half hour of Up, maybe the best thirty minutes of any film I've ever seen. It's so good. Um, I, you know Brave is good. Uh, Inside Out is 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 amazing. It's just so it's so interesting and and complex and thoughtful. They just do such a great job with storytelling and. Um, you know, so I, I, I find that, you know, even as an adult who's like a sort of like, you know, born skeptic who's like, you know, uh, you know, poo poos lots of lots of popular <laughs> culture things. Uh, they always get me. They always get me every time. Oh. And, I, and I feel moved. I, you know, I, I laugh. I cry. You know, everything, the whole gamut. And so um, I'm really, really impressed with their storytelling, their ability to develop interesting characters. Um yeah, I think I think it's it's honestly it's like one of the best things going out there. So if I had to choose one, um, I'll just say I'll choose T- Toy Story two. But you know, any of them could win. Yeah, well, I, I have to say I'm a little surprised. I, w- I was ex- kind of expecting the the, the poo poo version of you know like, but I didn't realize you were going to just you know start reeling off a, a bunch of these movies. So yeah, I'm, uh... oh, Wally is so good. It's such a critique of our com- contemporary culture. It's brilliant. It's so good. And up, oh my God, dude, up! It's it's it's, it's absolutely kills me every time. It's yeah. so good. I still remember <laughs> my wife going in and like wee hours of the night to to find the 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 little Woody doll for my son when he was little and stuff. It's like just uh, that's how much my kids, you know, they love that movie. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So oh, that's uh, 
like I say, you know, you surprised me a little bit. But speaking of surprise me, Rabs, what are you going to surprise uh, our listeners with today? Well, actually, uh, we are starting our off-season roster analysis. So basically what we're going to do is uh, every week we're going to look at a position or a pair of positions for if the, the, you know, some of them are a little smaller. We're going to look at that room and um, just ask some questions you know, and then even take what we, we learn in terms of like what's our confidence level for the season and even like what's the room going to look like going forward. But before we get into that, I do have a little trivia brain teaser for you, my friend. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so um, the Cowboys have been first in the league on offense in both points and yards four times in their history. Okay, this happened. Three of them were in the olden days. And so that happened in 1966, 1968, and in 1971 when they won their first Super Bowl. And then it happened again in 2021. So that was a, was a big, big hiatus of 50 years between um, the second, third and fourth time they were number one in both. The question for you is how many times have they been first in the league on on defense in both points and yards? Whew. Oh my goodness. How so just how many times? How many times? Yeah. We don't, don't worry about the years just yet. Just uh, let's think about it. If, it's, if they've done it four times on offense, how many times have they done it on defense? Ooh. Have they ever done it on, on defense? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I don't think they have. I think you're right, my friend. So that's the fascinating thing. They've never they've they've had lots of good defenses. I mean, they had they've had a couple of defenses with great nicknames for Christ's sake, but they never were number one. So the close, how close do you think they've gotten? And what year was it? Uh, you know, ninety ninety six jumps out at me. Um, I think they had a because that's just one that like I wouldn't have predicted. You know, it's still it's still Jimmy's residuals. Um, but um, I wouldn't think like you know because they didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but. Uh, that's that's one uh i know there's so many in the in the 70s that mm-hmm. are just like they, they were like top five or t- or you know in both probably for long stretches uh but one but one and one the closest they've been I, it's got to be one of the one of the super bowl winning teams in the 90s and i, I would say they were they were number one in the league in uh in in at least one category in 92 yeah i would say i would probably say that they they've been a, that one and three either Seventy-eight, maybe, or mm-hmm. in the ninety-two, or you know, I would probably say there's a one and two in, in within those groupings. Maybe not those exact years, plus or minus a year. You know what's fascinating about? I think it's either seventy-seven or seventy-eight. They were like first in yards and like seventh or eighth in points. So somehow they were giving up a bunch oh. of like cheap hmm. points. This is what's fascinating about this, and why I brought it up today. The closest they ever be, they ever were was. Um, a year where they were second in points and first in yards. That's the closest they've ever become. Second in points, been. first in yards. First in yards. So they they just missed it. They gave up more points than somebody else by by probably not a wide margin. Do you know what year that was? Was it ninety six? It was not ninety six. Is a great guess. I love I love how you, you. I mean, that was a great name for that defense, like uh, Jimmy's residuals. It was 2003. What? Yeah, 2003. That defense, it's hard to remember because that, that was the Quincy Carter offense oh with, you know, with like, with like uh, what was it, uh, Troy Hambrick as, as the running back. And, you know, and, and Parcells they, first year, right? Parcells first year. I think Zimmer was coordinating the defense and they still had, they were still in a 4 3. They hadn't converted to 3 4 yet. And Roy Williams had just been drafted and he and Darren Woodson absolutely wreaked havoc 
and and, and you know they still had like Greg Ellis and some other you know they they had some other cats who were still pretty good, but I think it was that that safety pair allowed them to do so much. But also, let's be honest, like the offense wasn't explosive, so they either they had a lot of possession, and I think other teams didn't feel like they had to risk anything because they were going to outscore the Cowboys. But uh, that was the closest they've ever come to to the sort of like you know uh, becoming first in both. If only they had a quarterback and a running back to help out that team. Mm, yeah, I think they might. If they had had about seven or eight more really good players, they would have been better. Yeah. Oh, a quarterback and a running back. I see where you're going with this. Well, I tell you what. Let's talk about the quarterbacks and the running backs on the 2023 Dallas Cowboys. Now that I'm slow to take the bait, uh, but you sunk the hook, my friend. And uh, let's start. Let's start, uh, shall we, by talking about who's in the quarterback room? All right. Let's do it. All right, my comrade in arms, I am ready to get into this. The first of our discussions about position groups. And of course, we're starting uh, on the offense with the most important position in professional sports, the quarterback. Before we get into looking at the Cowboys quarterback room this year, though, um, as we're going to do with all our positions, want to share a little quarterback adjacent nugget with you. Um, if we look at career passer ratings for everybody in Cowboys history, there are two Cowboys in history that have a perfect passer rating, which is 158.3. Do you have any sense of who those two Cowboys might be? Oh, poo. well, immediately I have a list of three that came in, came to mind. Um, so, so you're talking about quarterbacks that had the Tata, a perfect game, basically. Well, for- Dallas Cowboys who had uh, a perfect game or even a perfect career. In, in terms of perfect passer rating. Why did you have to say that? <laughs> now I'm thinking of somebody threw a pass, like, you know, Des Bryant or something. <laughs> Very well could be. Very well could be. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, let me give you a little bit of a hint, because this is not an easy thing. You're not going to just you're not gonna just guess this. Um, they're both wide receivers. Okay. So that's uh, – you were trying to trick me. So, um, so that means, okay, so what I was thinking of Aikman or Romo or even maybe Dak, they have – Never got had a perfect passer rating in a game. Okay. Oh, so, yeah, we're talking about career rating. We're talking about career passer rating. That's oh, my perfect. goodness. Oh, career. Yes. I thought you were just talking about in a game. Oh, um, you know what? Has Jason Jason Witten thrown more than one pass other than that one he like chucked a T.O. against Philadelphia? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Jeez, I... I so you're saying they're both wide receivers, so it's not going to be Witten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember Des Bryant ever throwing a pass up until that one pass he threw uh, to Witten for a touchdown. I don't know if that if the yardage is there. I don't know if it gets if it qualifies to get him to that. But I know we I know we all talked about we didn't even know he was left-handed, so that tells you that he's mm-hmm. not throwing passes. And I don't ever ever remember seeing another one. So I'm going to at least have one of my answers be Des Bryant. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I will say that one of the receivers is more recent than Des Bryant. One of them is much, much uh, further back in Cowboys history than Des Bryant. So, so it's not Des Bryant. <laughs> it's not Des Bryant. So, but I think that, I mean, your thinking is good, right? There've been a few receivers who actually had a pretty good arm. If you remember, they used to do that with Alvin Harper, where they would do like an end around and he would try to throw, throw, throw in deep. He was also a lefty and uh, you know, he had three or four passes, I think over the course of his career. So, um, 
one of these wide receivers is an old school guy who I think played for the Cleveland Browns for many years and then played. And then uh, I think it was the Browns. And then there was a cowboy for a year or two. His name was Lance Rensel. Okay. And, uh, he only, he only threw one career pass with the Cowboys, but it went for 58 yards and a touchdown. So he has a perfect passer rating. The other one's actually a little more impressive to me because he has a lot more pass attempts. And that's our good friend, Cedric Wilson, uh. who in his Cowboys career, and he's actually in some ways the most recent incarnation of that wide receiver who has a, who has a little bit of quarterback in his background and can throw a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was in the course of his career, he was five for five for 111 yards and a touchdown. That's enough to earn a, a perfect passer rating. So, um, yeah, good, good, good for you, Sid. Well, yet one more reason to bring him back, right? Give a little more diversity to our quarterback room and, and have offensive coordinators have one more thing to plan about. Yeah, because um, that's what we look for in wide receivers is, you know. That's right. That's right. Let's turn now after all that, all that uh, preambulatory talk to um, some questions about uh, the 2023 quarterback room. So some of these some of these questions that we'll be asking for other position groups might not apply so much here we've have a, we have a very small room so let's just kind of go over who we have right now basically okay. we've got i mean i'm not i'm not assuming any of these other like udfa types right now like in terms of the main guys under contract uh, all of whom are who are making more than a million dollars this year so i think that there's some investment um, by the team in these guys we've got Dak Prescott we've got Cooper Rush and then of course we have um, the developmental prospect who does have some tools Will Greer and i think that they actually like that composition of that of that quarterback room quite a lot um is there anybody in that room that, that even in even if you stretch your imagination you can think of as a breakout player for 2023 well honestly i mean i'm not going to des- not going to use the word breakout for this particular uh answer but for me i think that all eyes fall on mr prescott and mm-hmm. and we, I mean, we know he's the straw that stirs this drink, and uh, you know we are expecting whether, regardless of where you view him as terms of like how good he is, I think um, all of us are expecting to see a better version of him uh, this upcoming season. And to me, I think that Prescott is. I'm just waiting for the time where he puts it together. And, and not just talking about stretches in the regular season, which he already has, um, but it, he, he puts it together at the right time. And we see that type of play that we know he's capable of. And I think that if we see that type of play in January, then I think to me, that's, that's the, that's the breakout. That's the, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's all, it's like the postseason breakout, the, 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 the answer, the, the naysayers type of thing. And I, and I also think that's, that's what's going to elevate this team and make this team, you know, at championship level. So to me, it's it's still Prescott, even though we know he's great and you know we've we have a lot of evidence of that. And uh, but I, I still would classify him as that the player that you know has that ability to go to that next level. I, I would agree. So so because of that, is he also the likeliest to disappoint? Um. Ugh. So you know that's. I would, the short answer is yes, but my answer is going to not be that simply because I think disappointment could be if, if Dak gets injured again, and then Mm -hmm. we don't see the same, we don't see the same version of Cooper rush, because honestly, I think Cooper rush just played phenomenal for what he was asked to do. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think backup quarterbacks can really go out there and, 
and cut down those mistakes like he did. I I think you you're, you can't ask for a, like a better substitution than what Cooper gave us. And I think that now we feel really good about Cooper Rush uh, and go, heading into the season. And if, if Prescott does miss a few games and Cooper Rush doesn't play to that same level, I think that that's where disappointment could come in. Um, so I think... I think just the the expectations that the new founded expectations we have of Cooper Rush could be our biggest opportunity for disappointment. Yeah, I think that I think that Cooper Rush we've and we talked about this plenty last year on the pod that Cooper Rush benefited from the fact that a, a defensive line that was playing with its hair on fire went up against a series of offensive lines that were still trying to find you know who they were or they had suffered some injuries and there were some backup guys and they did la- a sort of a lack of continuity and we really took advantage of that and that was the equalizer i mean cooper rush when you have an equalizer and this this explains it's eli manning's entire playoff career by the way when you have an equalizer like a defensive line that can equal out the talent of the two quarterbacks when you have the less talented quarterback and your quarterback doesn't make mistakes you have a chance and that's exactly what that's the giants formula and that's what the quiet the, the cowboys used last year during the Cooper Rush uh, interregnum, so to speak. For me, the greatest disappointment would be if um, if Dak does play, but doesn't return to his former ability to protect the football, if his interceptions and turnover rate stays as high as it was last year. I believe sincerely in my heart that it was a fluke, but it, it obviously it, 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 it statistically is a fluke because it was one year that sort of stands out as a, as a statistical anomaly. If you have a couple of years of that, then suddenly you think, OK, this is a new trend and this is a new trend because he's playing differently, taking more chances, throwing more indiscriminate passes, et cetera. So um, that would be the greatest disappointment to me is if he stays healthy and, um, you know, doesn't protect the football. So let me ask you a next next question. Um, if this if this particular position group the quarterback room is to play at a difference making level and let's be clear that difference making level can either be they elevate or they bring down the team like they have they affect the team in in one way or the other but if in a way that makes a difference in the season outcome what's going to happen for for that to be the case yeah and are they going to go up or are they going to go down well i think we just covered both sides of it i mean between both of our answers here with Mm -hmm. um I think, you know, like I mentioned before, the difference maker is going to be Dak playing at that high level. And, and you know, we've, we know he's capable of it, but he still has to he has to make those plays when it counts the most. And as far as, you know, and also if if the Cowboys sink, it's it's probably going to be because Dak is making those mistakes. I, I, I didn't pick Dak as my disappointment mm-hmm. because I, I feel like, Last year was the disappointment for me. You know, I'm a little harder on Dak than than you are, and um, I feel to me, I feel like Dak's almost like um, a mistake proof or not, or a disappointment proof. Yeah, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't think that like I don't think he's ever going to be Eli ish. I don't think he's ever going to be like, oh my goodness, that's that's how he, he is now. I don't I don't see that at all. I think Dak's a good quarterback. There's going to be times where he makes bad choices you know, versus, you know, other plays, but I don't, I, it's hard for me to envision him being a player to where the Cowboys have to say, Hey, I don't think that third contract would make much sense. So to me, he's disappointment proof. I do think mm-hmm. there's levels of how happy and, uh, you know, we're going to be with that will rely solely on how he plays. But so to me, yeah, I, I honestly think 
it's it, Dak playing at a high level and Dak maybe ailing and just still struggling to, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, to uh, to make plays that w- would uh, be the biggest difference makers for not just, I mean, I mean, it, it's for the team. It's it's basically Dak is it. 100%. 100%. I agree. So I, just to be clear, I was saying that Eli Manning is a Cooper Rush play alike i wasn't comparing dak to, to eli i was saying i was comparing eli to cooper well <laughs> saying no, that he's actually not much better a quarterback than cooper Rush. i just think you know the, the reason i brought eli out is because i know eli's had his moments where he's played mm-hmm. really well but eli's had his moments where he's been like oh, like i would awful. not want him it's as awful. my quarterback yeah. and i've yeah. never at any point been at that stage with with dak no, no, I think Dax, Dax, Dax floor has always been higher mm-hmm. than, than Eli Manning's floor by, by a significant amount. Okay, so let's talk then about your confidence rating. Going into the season, where's your confidence rating? And again, we have a sort of like, you know, five-point scale. Is it bottom of the barrel? Is it low? Is it 50-50? Is it high or is it brimming over? It's high. It's it's, it's super. Okay. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think Dak's going to be, Dak's going to play better. And I think that his health issues that's been kind of plaguing him in, in recent years. You know, I mean, he, I think his, he went four straight years without missing a game. And then he hasn't, the next three, I think, has been, he's missed time. He's missed you know, at least one. Yeah. At least one with, with you know, missed the most of 2020. But my belief in him is that he is a great quarterback. And I think it's only going to get better for him. Uh, I can't really envision a, ser- a scenario where he's healthy and the Cowboys aren't aren't humming on offense. So my my confidence level is high. The only reason it's not brimming over is because you just got to do it. You just got to do it, and and I, I feel like the table has been set a, a, a couple times over the last couple years in particular, where the opportunity's mm-hmm. there, but it hasn't happened. So I I still I just I want to see it happen before I'm super high on uh, with my confidence, but, it, but it is high. I I am a hundred percent in agreement with you. I would say that I, mine's also high and it's high. You were just talking about the table being set and it's, it's only high because I think the quarterback success is uh, interdependent and other people have to play well and the offensive line has to play well and the receivers have to play well. And I think that Dak really suffered last year because not, neither of those groups played at their best like if we the, you know in some ways the greatest disappointment for me will be if both of those groups play really well and Dak has another season like the one he did mm-hmm. because then then we're like okay yeah that's an isolated performance that's not a dependent performance I believe his performance was very dependent and I think that um it's not brimming over because I don't have a lot of and we'll talk about this in future conversations about those position groups I don't have uh, faith in those groups until like you were just saying I see it right so last question as we look ahead is, do you think when we have this conversation a year from now that the room, the quarterback room is going to look much different? What's it going to, what's it going to look like a year from now? Um, so a couple of things. First off, I don't know about you, but I really thought the Cowboys would find themselves a, a late round quarterback. And, you know, there was a few names on the list that we were thinking about would come in and we can uh, – and develop and um, and they didn't. So I didn't see that. I don't need, I don't know a UD an undrafted guy who's on the roster. Um, if there is one, it's just escaped me. Uh, but 
so it's 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 the three guys. It's three guys, mm-hmm. and I I also know is now this year is we have that special emergency quarterback rule, which means that you know you get to have a third quarterback if he's on your roster, but he don't have to be active. Um, so there's a little advantage there for actually keeping uh, Will Greer on the roster. Yes. So, um, and since the Cowboys don't didn't bring anyone else in, then you know it's going to be real Will Greer again. So. I'm curious to see what we're going to see from him, but I don't know. I mean, I I I, I expect Prescott to get extended within the next 14 months, um, mm-hmm. and I expect. I mean, they have to, right? Yeah. His, his his salary cap for 2024 is almost 60 grand. They have to. They have to do something. I guess what that. I'm saying is I'm 100 percent all in on Dak. I'm not not mm-hmm. in in any fashion thinking like we're going to just let this play out and then we'll assess it later type thing. I'm our, we're already all in on Dak. So I'll say, look at looking ahead, Dak's on this team and he's the future. So that's locked that in. Um, Cooper Rush is on a two-year deal. So unless somebody comes along that can outplay him, I feel like it will be business as usual. They like, they like him. I mean, we, we questioned it um, sometimes through, you know, over the last, couple seasons maybe like hoping that somebody beats him out whether it's like Garrett Gilbert or I don't know some Will Greer last year uh, but uh that didn't happen it's it's still Cooper Rush so and I after how he performed last season I mean why would you want to do anything else with your backup spot so I feel it would look very similar the only thing I wonder about is are we going to get are we going to get a new development guy in there cuz I feel like you know we'll know we'll know if it's going to be Greer or if we're going to go somewhere else. So that's the only thing I could see different a year from now. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that will, ideally we don't see a single regular season pass from Will Greer, right? That if we do, then we're, then, I mean, either it's really good news because uh, it's such a route that, that Cooper Rush, uh, they don't even deem that Cooper Rush is worth, you know, taking snaps or they, if they see an opportunity for Greer, but ideally we don't see Greer at all. So I think a year from now we'll see, as you've just suggested, uh, a Dak Prescott with an extension and, and a cap hit that's much more um, team friendly. I believe we'll see another, you know, the second and last year of Cooper Rush and we'll see a third day draft pick or some other kind of developmental, um, you know, UDFA or UFA that they pick up. Yes. And so the, the room will look very, very similar a year from now. All right, so I tell you what, my friend, let's let's take the time to transition to the other position group that we want to talk about today and get into our discussion of the running back room, which I think has a lot less certainty than the quarterback room. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this because, you know, first off, before we get started, I got a little bit of, I got a question for you, Rabs. Um, as you know, last I'll just ask you, you know, who led the Cowboys in rushing last year? Tony Pollard. Right. Who led the Cowboys in rushing attempts last year? Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Do you do you find that as odd at all? Do you think that's weird? Let me know. Let me ask you this question. In the Cowboys' sixty-three year history, just take a gander. How many times something like that has happened? You can ballpark mm. it. You know. I'll say this was the second time. Wow, second time. That is impressive, Rabs. That is absolutely correct. And so, 
now you're going to really impress me if you can nail when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to guess Tony Dorsett and Herschel Walker. oh my goodness. I, I am shocked that that is what you guessed because I was totally expecting you to go uh, Marion Barber and Julius Jones. Ah, And right. uh, Okay. that's where my mind went when I was initially um, thinking this. However, if you would have guessed that, you would have been wrong because that's not correct. Although, mind you, Julius did start 16 games in 2007. Barber started zero, but Barber led the led the team in rushing that year. But he also had more attempts. They would they would start the gate and you know, start with uh, Julius, but then Barber would just over the course of the game get more touches. So no, that's not right. Uh, but neither is uh, Herschel Walker and Tony Dorsett. Great guess too. Uh, that would have been probably my second guess outside of that. But actually, Rabs, this has not happened since 1970, and it was it was Calvin Hill that led the team in rushing attempts, but it was Dwayne Thomas. that Yeah, led that the makes team sense. in rushing. So that is just, when you think about it, that is just, you know, it's just, it's amazing actually that it, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So it just really speaks to the efficiency of Tony Pollard. And the reason I chose this to, to bring up is I have a question to ponder to you. Because, I mean, Pollard is the only Cowboys rush running back who has eclipsed the 1,000-yard rushing mark with less than 200 carries. And... I just, I'm starting to question, like, does, is this guy unique? So as we're heading into this discussion, you know, the big, the big topic is really going to be like, just how, how much should the Cowboys be invested in Tony Pollard? So first off, I mean, do you think, do, I mean, I know, I know you subscribe to the running backs don't matter theory, but I have to ask you, uh, do you think Tony Pollard is, any different. Well, that's a great question because I think that running backs don't matter unless they uh, can uh, can be difference makers in the receiving game. And I think one of the issues is that if we look at all receptions by running backs versus receptions by uh, wide receivers, that comparatively, even the best pass catching uh, running backs um, do so much poorly on a sort of like per attempt basis than even the worst receivers that the answer is almost always no. Um, but at the same time, I think it does affect the defense when you have someone who's so explosive, who can do what he did against like Minnesota last year, where, you know, it's a couple of different times he got the ball uh, on a reception and, boop, and he was gone. Um, I, I think I listen, I think Tony Pollard is special, but I also think that uh, I think that one of the reasons why Zeke got more carries last year. is that, and we've talked a lot about this, about McCarthy, his whole modus operandi is get his best players healthy at the end of the season so they can be at their best. I think they recognize, especially given the limited speed on, on offense, that a, a team without Tony Pollard or a hobbled Tony Pollard or a less than 100% Tony Pollard was not going to be at its offensive best. And it feels like that's, that's, that's what's such a sort of like painful irony of, of Pollard's injury is, is They did a good job of, of of like you know throwing Zeke into the line again and again and again to preserve Pollard so that he'd still be explosive at the end of the year. He was, and then he got injured. I don't know that they would have beat San Francisco if he'd stayed healthy, but I think they would have had a hell of a chance Sure. because you know that the real turning point was the injury, Mm and -hmm. then there was like a, a another goofy play, and then there was like the pick by Zach by Dak because they, and I think that they had no answers. They didn't. They had nothing that they could do once once he Yeah. went out. And, um, 
I think they were they were at least able to eke out like you know little five or six yard gains and probably could have engineered a couple of drives and had a fighting chance. At any rate, I I do think he's a special player. I guess for me, in terms of like how other running backs this offseason got paid, Pollard's getting way more than anybody else. You know, um, even the top other like the top free agent running backs, they can't franchise him again. They just can't. And so I think it depends on what his agent is insisting on in terms of contract. If they can get a reasonable contract that, that pays him something like $5 million a year, I think they can do it. But that's what that's what free agent running backs are getting, maybe mm-hmm. six. Um, yeah, if, if, he, if he wants a, like a four-year, you know, $11 million a year type of thing, I, they just can't do it. They just can't do it. Yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think that that's possible. So, you know, I would love to, to when we have a conversation about what does this room look like next year, I would love, I'd love for us to be able to say, yeah, they have, they have Tony Pollard on a, on a multi-year deal, and um and it's a team friendly ish kind of deal. It's like a four year, twenty two and a half, twenty four million dollar, you know, something like that type of deal. That would be awesome. And it's I, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I would like to see that. But for that to work, I think they need to commit to a running back by committee. I and I, I know it's it sucks because you have one guy in your committee who's better than all the other ones, you know. But the, the Saints did that recent, you know, recently. They, they had so they had a bunch of running backs, and they had different they had different talents, and obviously, you know, um, some of them were much more explosive and much more diverse than others. But you you still have to sort of balance out the carries so you don't wear guys down. I think they're going to have to commit to that. And so for me, you've got Tony Pollard, or you've got a Tony Pollard like player, and then you've got to have you've got to have somebody else who can absorb you know absorb those carries. And for me, that's the real. To me, that's the question of the twenty-three season: is is who's going to do that? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of there's a lot of questions, for, you know, with this position Ooh, group so for sure, because we don't know. You know. I mean, we don't know what to expect here. And you know, looking ahead, and it's interesting. I'm glad you're at least open to the idea because, and I, to me, I, I'm trying to convince myself the other way because I've really moved myself into the hey, I know you like them, but it's just not good business type of thinking. But I mean, if you look at you know, the Cowboys, Pollard makes the fourth Pro Bowl running back they've had in the last fifteen years with. Marion Barber, you know, being one, DeMarco and, and and Zeke. You look at those other guys. They all got second contracts, two of which came with Dallas. But all of them, basically, the team was having to cut their losses, eating the dead money. And it's just, it just there's so much evidence that's not being good business. So even as, as hard as it is for me to picture a team without the explosiveness of Pollard, it's also hard to think about throwing that second contract. But speaking mm-hmm. of contracts, I just want to run this down before we get in the players. We got Pollard tagged for for 10.1 million and then they signed free agent Ronald Jones for a year we got Rico Daddle left for another year Malik Davis um he's here for another year and then of course they just drafted Deuce Vaughn so we got a four-year rookie deal with him so looking at these players asking you the same question who is your most likely breakout player from this group That's a really interesting question. Ah, breakout player. Here's here's what I think. I, I, or you could even just biggest pleasant surprise. I, I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that is part partly I I believe it partly to be true and partly I, I'm saying it just because I think it'll be fun. And I'm gonna say Ronald Jones. I like it. I think the, I, I think that the the range of outcomes for Ronald Jones is pretty big, but I think it's important that we remember a couple of things. One, when he was at USC and being drafted, I mean, he was really well thought of, and he he was one of those backs that had a lot of tools, real shifty, really speedy, um, really impressive kind of guy. He got drafted by Tampa Bay, and it seemed like what they wanted to do 
was to make sure that his first order of business was that he, you know, he could be an in, a tough inside runner and he would have to heft to pass block for Tom Brady. He was drafted at like 200, 205, and he was like 225 playing for Tampa Bay. They may ask him to put on like 20 pounds. And I think he lost a lot of things that made him special. But if you remember back to the hype around him around draft time, what was it, three, four years ago? Mm-hmm. There was there was a lot of hype around this kid, and I think he's I think he's actually a good fit for what they want to do. He was a good one cut runner. I would love to see him, you know, lean out and get redeemed because his he hasn't been overused, and his skill set is one that could be really exciting. I I think it'd be really exciting. So the reason I don't say Deuce Vaughn is because I, I like a lot about Deuce Vaughn. I really do wonder if, given his his size limitations and given his explosiveness limitations, I mean, I know he's quick, but he's not explosive. At least his testing numbers don't suggest that he is. Um, I think he might need a year to develop. And when you already have the best version of Deuce Vaughn, perhaps in the league playing, why do you take Tony Pollard out and put Deuce right. Vaughn in when they when they're probably going to do a lot of the same things? So part of me wonders if Deuce Vaughn is just a is you know the strategy here is he, he's a Pollard starter kit, and uh, the expectation is they're going to give him a year in the weight room and you know a chance to develop, and then um, and then you know jettison pollard and have him be that be that guy next year yeah no i totally agree and you made a good point about uh ronald jones's usage you know he actually has five less carries than tony pollard so if you look at those both those guys they got a lot still left Mm -hmm. in the tank so i would love to see a nice um one-two punch with those guys and it wouldn't even hurt my feelings if ronald jones was the starting starting running back you know not at all i would love that yeah i mean in fact if that happens this team is is going to be in really great shape because that means they feel good enough about him and his ability to generate explosives that they can use Pollard as that change up without sacrificing, you know, without without doing what happened with with, with Zeke last year, which was they got into too many second and third and longs mm-hmm. because Zeke wasn't explosive enough to take advantage of holes when they opened. Yeah, and and honestly, I like it when they mix them within series. I don't like having all right. This is going to be a a Pollard series, or you know, mm-hmm. I love it when they're caught. They're mixing it up, and I would love to see them do that. So 100%. I totally agree. I, I, um, Ronald Jones, I'm high on him. I really think that – I mean, I, I'm still a little bit um, dumbfounded as far as what really happened last year. I hope it's just because he got stuck behind the depth of KC, even though they, they didn't have, like, a bunch of great guys. They had a lot of good, a lot of good guys. Um, so, um, like I said, that's a little confusing, but I do think that mm-hmm. he has – he's not that far removed from a you know, really strong year – um, in Tampa Bay. So very curious about that. I think we'll, you know, we'll bust through these real quick. Likely disappointment. I think I already know the answer, but just what, who do you got? Deuce Vaughn. I think, I think, and not that even so that I'm disappointed because I, I do remain skeptical because, you know, we've talked about this. And I know Cowboy Nation is all excited about him and him being quick and him being, you know, um, sort of not, not Tony Pollard so much as maybe a Darren Sproles type, but he does not nearly as fast or as explosive as Sproles. We've talked about this right, a lot. Right. I worry that once it once it once we get into the speed of the NFL game, that he might struggle a little bit. Yep. I, I I could see reasons why I wouldn't, but if he does, I think it it might be one of those situations where you know he struggles to get on, on the field at all. Yeah, totally agree. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm lowering my expectations so I can just be surprised when I'm wrong. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, we already talked about it. You know, the difference making a little bit. So just give me your confidence rating with this running back group. I would say 50-50. I, I say 50-50 in some ways this um, – because I, a couple things. I don't know that that the the answer is even on the team yet, right? 
I think they're going to give these guys all an opportunity to be that guy opposite Pollard. And I think the team, just like us, would love it if one of these other guys can be the kind of starter, but be a more dynamic version of 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 that of that you know Ezekiel Elliott person, like the 2019, 20, 21 Zeke, uh, beginning of 21 Zeke, who is a more dynamic complement to to Pollard, even though Pollard was more explosive. Um, I, so I don't I don't have faith in any of these guys. I mean, Ronald Jones, I'm hoping he can. I think he's got the most talent of any of these guys other than Pollard, but I, you know, he hasn't shown it. And I, I, th- I really, I think they like, quote unquote, like Malik Davis and Rico Dowdle. I don't know if they like him in the way where they're ready to give you e- either of them 225 carries. You know, that's a, that's a, there's a big difference between where they are right now as guys who can come in in the fourth quarter of a blowout with, with an exhausted defense and have a couple nice runs versus, uh, you know, a guy who can who can carry the mail in a close game, close divisional game. You know, that's that's a that's a huge gulf. And so I I'm I'm fifty fifty. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little about fifty fifty. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm high on this, and it's it's mostly because I'm just I just really like Tony Pollard, and I think that you know I really think a lot of the touches Zeke was getting was was hurting the team, and now they're going to be replaced with someone else. And it may not be that Ronald Jones is the answer, but I, you know I do like Malik uh, Davis. And if it if it's not him, then it could be someone else. I, I, I still remember the year. I can't think of the backs completely, but maybe it's DeMarco, Felix Jones, and, and Tashar Choice, where they had like mm-hmm. three guys. And it was like nothing really super special about it, but, but they just had three really good guys. And I feel like the Cowboys will find that. I, I think there's enough choices. There's four of them already on the roster, and that's not even including Rico. I don't know why I just given up on him, but... A lot of people still like him, um, but I think that they're still. I think they'll make it work as long as Pollard stays healthy. I really think they'll make it work. So I'm a little bit higher on that. So finally, we'll wrap this thing up. A look ahead. What do we think this running back room is going to look like a, a year from now? I think it's going to look a lot different. I think they might have one of these guys. I'm hoping Deuce Vaughn is still in the room, um, and I don't. I actually don't believe that Pollard will be in the room a year from now. Uh, I think that they're especially if none of these guys steps up, they might have to make the decision to use Pollard up like they did with DeMarco Murray in 2014. And just, I mean, it's, it's kind of cruel reality, but they're just going to have to use him up because he's the only real you know option they have. Um, and then, you know, maybe next year it's like, you know, either Rico Dowdle or Malik Davis and Duke Deuce Vaughn. And then some, you know, first or second day draft pick, Yeah, hopefully a second, second day draft pick. Cause I, I would not like a first round running back. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little bit confused, and you know, we we so we led this thing off with the whole Pollard discussion. Is he unique and stuff? You know, the Cowboys are they're paying out you know, ten million for his services now. I kind of feel like that's telling me that we we want to keep this guy around. We, you know, and what that means in the future, I don't know. But the other piece of information that tells me that too is the Cowboys passed on running backs in the draft. It really surprised me that we didn't see something a little earlier. Nothing against Deuce Vaughn. But I expected from three rounds, three to five, the Cowboys would address running back, and it didn't happen. So, you know, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe that just speaks to the, they already got their main guy and on the team for for years to come. So, you know, we're not going to invest and make make that investment, or maybe they have other plans. I don't know. So, you know, it's you're right. It's going to be different because there's so many players on one year deals, but. I'm just I'm not quite sure that we've seen we will have seen the last of Tony Pollard. So, but I guess that is something that we will need to stay tuned for. And speaking of stay tuned, that is it for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. 
Leave us a rating, write a review, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you'd like us to do different to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any roster battles, or what is your favorite Disney movie, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24, and Rabs is at Rabblerouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver blue, and we will catch you later. Last dismissed.